0: Hello, you're listening to the Life's Too Short podcast with me, Sarah McGinn. I believe that grief has the power to change your life forever. Your beliefs, your desires, your motivators, your purpose. And I want to speak with people who've also experienced great grief in their lives. What can we learn from people who have lived through the unimaginable? How do we ensure that we're making the most of our time here? Because as we all know, life is too short. My mum, Anne, died in October 2020 of breast cancer. The grief has been more painful, more traumatic, more life changing than I could have anticipated. I was also nine months pregnant when my mum died and gave birth just a week later to my daughter Annie. I literally never could have imagined that was what life had in store for me. Over the past 12 months I have seriously considered what life is actually about, what's important to me, where do I want to focus my time and energy, where do I want to go, what is my path in life now. And when the inevitable happens, which it will, but hopefully many, many, many years down the line, will I be satisfied with how I spent my time here?
1: I'm also much more comfortable with my body, the way I look. I think we forget sometimes how incredibly lucky we are to just have a body that does everything we want it to do. Who cares about cellulite? Like, we have legs that can walk.
0: On today's episode,
1: I speak with Julie van
0: Dingenang about her wonderful fiancé, Louis. Julie and Louis were childhood sweethearts meeting as teenagers in school in France. They lived a full, fun-filled, adventurous life together for the nine years that they had. Louis died at just 26 years old of stomach cancer and today Julie tells us about how she lived through that grief and how initially it drove her to move as far away as possible to now in recent years where it brought her to set up her business Lovingly Box which sell beautiful care packages for the harder days in life. This episode, it will bring you joy, it'll bring you to tears, it will really, really show you how life is just so short. And I just want to say a huge thank you to Julie for sharing with me. It is not easy to talk about your grief and to remember the people in your life who have gone. So thank you, Julie. Hello, Julie. Thank you so much for joining me today here on Life's Too Short. How are you doing? I'm good, I'm good. Thank
1: you so much for having me and for starting this amazing podcast, Sarah. How are you? I'm,
0: yeah, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> it's 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 really nice. It's kind of, you know, this is something that I've been thinking about for so long. And now that it's launched over the last few weeks, it's, um yeah, it's just kind of incredible to kind of actually get it out there. The way I kind of like to start off each of um, my chats with guests is to find out a little more about their person. So in this case, it'd be about your fiancé Louis. I'd love to know how you guys met, the type of relationship you have, his personality, and just so we can get a really good understanding of
1: of who he was. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, I met Louis back in high school in France when we were both, I think we were about 17. And we were together for about nine years. And he was just the most amazing person, like you could not not... Love him, or like, I couldn't anyway. <laughs> and I know a lot of people say that about people who are no longer here, but he really was the most amazing person. Mm-hmm. He loved the simple things in life. like he loved watching you know, rugby games with his friends, or when we were living in Dublin here because we met in France, we actually moved over to Ireland. We loved just daydreaming about like all the amazing houses, like in Dublin four or whatnot that we couldn't <laughs> afford. but maybe one day we might be able to buy them loved he loved having barbecues you no know, on a sunny day just very simple things he was um a very calm and fairly quiet person he was a great listener and i did feel like he only kind of really spoke when he felt that his words would add value to a conversation which i thought was yeah which is unlike me i kind of blurred things out in general so i kind of learned there to sit back and listen is a very important quality to have he um, he wasn't as quiet though when he like went out, he loved a good party uh, and I think maybe, I don't know if it was the alcohol or the music, but that definitely brought out the, <laughs> the, the dancing or whatnot in him. He was also super smart. Honestly, one of the smartest men I knew, like he knew everything about politics. He was always thinking of like new businesses that he could start. He had this little notebook where he would like write down ideas for potential businesses that he could start. And even in his like last months of his life, he started this business where he was making websites for people. So he learned how to code. So he's always kind of trying to improve himself and like learning something new, which was really uh, impressive, I thought. Mm -hmm. And I do think that because I did start my own company a few years ago, I do feel like that's definitely something that like he did with me in a way, even though he's no longer here. You know, like he kind of pushed me to do it in a way because... I don't know I know that that's something he really wanted to do in his life. Mm-hmm. He never ever complained in the 9 years we were together even you know when life was very unfair to him in the end like he never mm. never once said anything negative or complained about anything. He was just happy to live, happy to have what he had and just a grateful person. So, yeah, the most amazing person. I loved him very much and uh, yeah, I do think that I am who I am today because of him and like all the things that gave me so yeah that's who Louis was.
0: Thank you Julie for that I've got a really good essence of of who he was and who you guys were together as well because mm. as you said there you, you met when you were teenagers which is a like this part of your life where you're kind of developing into the people that you're going to become oh, and yeah. um, so you kind of yeah. met at this really critical moment and it's lovely to hear you say kind of how you almost shaped each other.
1: mm Yeah, we definitely grew up together. I mean, you know, high school and then uni and then our first jobs, like our first, you know, moving into like moving out of our parents' home together, like all those things kind of do really shape you and make you who you are. So in that sense, I I do feel like he definitely is always with me because I wouldn't be who I am today if he wouldn't have been there. And he's still with me, like with everything I do for sure.
0: Yeah, like if you you could be potentially a different type of Julie now if you got Oh
1: I could a less a less good one.
0: <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> He's all the good parts in me. <laughs> oh that's so lovely. So lovely. <laughs> and um I'm so sorry to hear that he passed. And you know, I know it's been a few years, but really and it doesn't matter if it's been days, minutes, years, months, whatever it might be, it's it's still this kind of huge gaping hole in your life but it sounds like you both had just a wonderful fun-filled adventurous time together in the nine years that you had oh
1: yeah we definitely did we we traveled a lot together as well obviously we yeah we moved abroad together I had a an Erasmus experience in between where I left alone to go live in Liverpool and He came to, you know, see me on the weekend. Mm. So we had that like long distance relationship experience. So uh, then when I moved back to Paris, we kind of moved in together. And then Mm. we moved to Dublin together in 2015. So personally, I kind of felt like it would have been cool to move abroad. And he was very much keen as well on having like an abroad experience and maybe even creating a life abroad. He wasn't a very big fan of Paris. Mm -hmm. He is, I think that's the thing about many French people like There's sometimes a bit of a difference between if you're a Persian or not a Persian. He was Mm -hmm. born very close to Paris, but he didn't feel that strong connection, I guess, to the city. So we were both quite keen on just moving um, and seeing what life was like abroad. And there were some really nice job opportunities here. So we kind of both decided to move to Dublin. You guys were here, am I right in saying it was about two years before
0: Louis started to get sick?
1: Yeah, before he was diagnosed, for sure. He was diagnosed in February twenty seventeen and we moved here in January twenty fifteen, so exactly mm-hmm. two years. Wow. And I had
0: also seen that from that initial diagnosis, I think it, it was it was quite fast after that that mm. he kind of passed away. Did you know at the time, like when he first got diagnosed, did you know that it was
1: a terminal diagnosis? It it had spread. So, mm-hmm. and we knew that, well, they kind of told us in the beginning and then they had to do some more tests to confirm it. But then you always hope like he was young. So we were kind of like, oh, maybe, you know, he can fight it better because he was a fighter. And, and the horribly sad thing is that with cancer, it actually doesn't matter if you're a fighter or not. Like it's mm-hmm. just, it's just pure luck and unluck. So we never, the two of us never discussed it if it was terminal or not. We were just doing whatever the doctors told us to do or whatever the internet told us to do, you know, juicing and stuff like that. I think honestly, up until the very last weeks or day, even I never thought it would be terminal because you always hope that you are that that 4% or whatever percentage. I also think that at that age, they don't use that word because they are like the doctors trying to, you know, help out. I think they're going to put all the efforts they can Mm -hmm. into this person and to try to make them live longer or, you know, maybe even get to that remission phase. So I don't think they use the word terminal. The word hope was used a lot. I mm-hmm. use the word hope a lot. So yeah, I was kind of clinging on to that more than there's a, a specific timeline. I'm so sorry,
0: Julie, that, that you both had to go through that. You mentioned there a lot about hope. Mm. Is that the one thing that kind of, I suppose helped maintain you over those six months from diagnosis to passing.
1: Oh yeah. Hope is, I think hope is what like, it's my favorite word. And it's like Mm. the most beautiful thing. It's like, we're nothing without it. But I also think it was honestly just um, the love like, and the, like the, the strength. And I think a lot of people who are fighting cancer, they feel like they have to be very strong. And the, the, the thing is they are like, I like I, he was just so strong. So when you see person who is actually sick mm-hmm. being so strong and he was very mm-hmm. gracious all the time like he was yeah. and very much focusing on the next step okay this isn't working what do we do next what if he was doing that I could not do anything else so mm-hmm. and because I, I also didn't want to do anything else I was just following his lead kind of I think maybe like a mutual admiration and kind of mutual Mutually feeling like we have to be strong for the other person. I know mm-hmm. that he also felt like that was. It's very hard when you're sick to see people be sad about the fact that you are sick. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I think he also felt like maybe he had to be a bit stronger for me, and and vice versa. So it was definitely the hope, but it was also definitely the love and just the, yeah, yeah, the admiration I I had for him, and I hope he kind of had for me. But yeah, I know I had for him. Yeah.
0: In those six months, um, were you living here in Ireland? Was Louis
1: being treated here in Ireland or did you return to family? No, we moved back uh, the, I think, three days after he was diagnosed. It was quite hard. We were actually looking to buy an apartment. We actually found one the day before he was diagnosed. We, We had a completely different kind of mindset of what our lives would look like. And then three days later, we're on a flight with, you know, all our stuff moving back to France, But it just made sense to go back to France and Belgium, where my family's from, just to be closer to family. Um, The health care system in France is also very, very good. Uh, Mm -hmm. We were told that they had some of the best hospitals for this specific disease he had. So, yeah, so we just moved back straight away. And I was kind of working from France and then I would come to Dublin sometimes just to work from here, which was quite difficult to come back alone, you know. Yeah, I'd say... He was working for the first, I think, four months or so. Again, very strong. And then mm. he did go on, leave, believe, but only very, very much at the end. Because work is good. Like, it's good to keep you occupied during those times as well.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a distraction from, you know, the things that you can't really think about that are going on in your life. Like, I feel like, especially in your 20s, you kind of feel a bit invincible. Yeah. And you certainly don't think that something so serious is going to affect you or the person that you
1: love. You hope like at that age, you're, like you said, you are kind of invincible. You you, you yeah. think you can, you can take anything on and you are the, I don't know, you'll make a movie about your life and it'll be a happy yeah. ending. And <laughs> you know, yeah. you're kind of like picturing all these things like, okay, this is just a moment in time, but this is not everything. But then when you're
0: talking, there's 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 like similar things come up in my brain where it's that hope and, You know, you know, your person is going to be the one that's going to make it. And then when you're faced with that harsh reality that that's, you know, not the case, you then enter into this grieving spiral where I don't know about you and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I felt a lot of regret about all that maybe hope that I had had. I I felt I felt naive, you know, you're dealing with this huge loss. And then at the same time, I mean, like, why wasn't I preparing myself better for this?
1: Do you know? Yeah. Like all the conversations that we should have had. Yeah. Um, all the, yeah. I, yeah. yeah. I think honestly, for me, guilt, Um, I don't know if that's the same as regret. I guess they kind of go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's definitely like the strongest feeling I have uh, mm-hmm. related to my my grief. And it's it's yeah. it's irrational because there's nothing you can do about it. It just sucks. It's just there. And I, I think a lot of people who are grieving, like guilt and regret, it's definitely like a really strong emotion that people don't really talk that much mm. about. I think people in general think that grief is more just crying all the time. Yeah. But the main reason I cry is, you know, because I just feel like I should have done this. I didn't do this. It's yeah. just it's life (laughs) and there's sometimes there's nothing more you can do like you you don't know if I do it Mm. all over again maybe I would change things you know but I mean I definitely would but it's that's not how it goes yeah so yeah definitely a lot of regret yeah
0: and on that I suppose personally how I feel about grief and how I what I feel there's a lot of misconceptions about it is that as you said previously about grief just being a lot about sitting around and crying but actually it's like this huge range of emotions it's so emotional it's so physical it's like I had you know a lot of anger there was just all these emotions that you know I wasn't expecting could you maybe as much as you're comfortable with just talk us through those first kind of days weeks and months
1: and how that grief what that grief looked like for you for me, uh, I, I love that you called out the physical part of it as well because mm. I think people overlook that. I, um, I had I, I didn't eat a lot at all, even in the last few weeks because I don't know, but I maybe it's just me personally. But mm. when you're so deep into the caring mode, I felt like a lot of the things he was going through, I was going through. So like when he couldn't eat, I was like, I won't, I won't eat. I don't need to eat either. So I lost quite a bit of weight. I. And because of that, I think also just because of all the sadness and anger and and, and just the, everything going through my body, I just felt really weak physically. Yeah, I just stayed in bed for a month in my parents' bed, actually, in my parents' home. So that mm-hmm. was really nice that they were there for me. My whole family was. I, I'm I'm very, very lucky. I have honestly the most amazing support system. It was a void physically. I didn't have, like I said, a lot of food, a lot of strength. But also just in my brain, I just, I just slept. I was so tired and I didn't feel like, I think I I honestly think I was in a depression, which Mm. I think is quite normal when you go through something like that. And then I, um, I was very angry about, about the silliest things. My parents actually bought me like a boxing ball thing. So when I did feel a bit of strength, I was like, I'll try to hit this thing. Um, That's a really good idea. <laughs> it was actually really good, yeah. yeah. Um, and I still have this anger sometimes. My mm-hmm. um, when I started dating again, like years ago, mm-hmm. uh, my boyfriend also bought me a little boxing ball to put on my my desk at, at the office because, yeah, I don't know. This anger kind of still stayed with me, and I'm not an yeah. angry person. It just sometimes. You know. totally so yeah, I think just avoid. Uh, just I felt so empty of mm-hmm. everything. I just didn't feel like living for a little while, I just felt like surviving Mm -hmm. because life is worth living. And and Louis said that. So I was like, I I really owe it to him and to anyone who doesn't have the chance to like, I I have to keep going, obviously. It was never in my head to not, but I just Mm -hmm. didn't really want to for a little bit. I I wanted to just have a a break from life for, for a while. So that's what it felt like for the first few months. I missed him a lot as well. Like the missing was very, very hard Um, Mm -hmm. because we were never apart for very long. So it's, yeah, you kind of used to being with that person all the time. And then all of a sudden you have to realize that you won't be for a very, very long time or never again, depending on what your belief is. Mm -hmm. And then after about, uh, I think a month or two, I just um, got out of bed. I had, raised quite a bit of money for cancer research for a a, um, hospital in New Zealand. So I got out of bed and I just left to New Zealand alone. Yeah, I was there for about a month and I went to the hospital to give that donation in person. And yeah, I kind of had like a declick almost where I was like, okay, I now need to start living again. I have to get out of this bed and just do things that bring me joy Mm -hmm. and traveling And like being as far away physically as possible from everything Mm -hmm, did actually mm -hmm. bring me, you know, relief and some sort of peace. Time for a
0: really quick break. This episode is proudly brought to you in partnership with new mindfulness brand, Pause Penny. Their gratitude and manifestation products help to simplify your at-home mindfulness practices. Over the last year, I really started to think about my own wellness But to be honest, mindfulness was not something I'd ever really thought about. It's not something that I considered for myself. But what I love about the Pause Penny Gratitude Packs is that it allows me that time to focus, to take a break and think about what brings me joy in the everyday. And that's something I really needed. So if you have been looking to invest in your mindset, invest in your positivity in 2023, then head to pausepenny.com or check them out on Instagram at pause.penny. Now back to the chat. Can you like, remember that moment where it clicked and was like I need to get up I need to go I need to Mm. live my life was there like an aha
1: moment or I think it was a gradual thing Mm -hmm. um because I had already started raising money for that cancer research even before the funeral with all the pain and all I just felt like I had to do something and I also didn't want a hundred flowers I wanted something that might help other people maybe not go through this in the future or mm-hmm. you know some sort of more hope for them like you yeah. said so i started doing that and then once the donations had reached a certain point i think it was like 30,000 or something then i thought like okay this is a nice amount and i should do something with this and i should you know just go give it mm-hmm. and it was just like a i didn't have to fly over to new zealand it's just it gave me some sort of purpose for a little bit than like an, yeah. a, a goal, like, I'll just go do this now. No, it was definitely gradual.
0: It's just incredible. Like, I I don't think I could look that outward when, in those first couple of months, but it's just such an amazing achievement.
1: He had an extremely, extremely rare cancer. I think there was only one or two hospitals researching it. Anyway, I found this researcher. The, so I reached out to him and he was like a constant source of information. And like mm. he was he was just there extremely helpful and that doctor and that center didn't owe us anything like they it was just honestly a very kind thing to do i felt mm. um to help you know this couple mm. so i just felt like this is a good place for money to go because that yeah. was the cancer he had and this research center had been so supportive or this mm-hmm. doctor anyway that i felt like they should get some of our support as well. Absolutely. That's
0: just amazing. So you should be really just proud of yourself for doing that and helping out. And as you say, like bringing more hope to people as well. So you head over to New Zealand. This is perhaps, is it a couple of months after Louis has passed? Yeah,
1: I think it was two months. And you went by yourself as well. I went alone, yeah, with a big backpack. I had to be alone. I told my parents... uh, it was a bit scary for them because they just I just went from being in bed and quite empty, like I said, to mm. just being like, okay, I'm taking my backpack and I'm going to New Zealand. But it was it was actually really good. There's this person I follow on Instagram and her and I had like been talking quite a bit while Louis was sick because she lost her husband to cancer. So and she has this thing where she encourages people to force joy. And mm. I was like, I'm gonna try to force joy. And I just felt like it would be easier for me to do that as far away possible as you can Mm -hmm. go, because New Zealand is the opposite side of the world from France, where no one knows me. I don't know anyone. I don't owe anyone anything. Mm -hmm. I can just think about the now and what makes me happy now. Like in your grieving process
0: over that month in New Zealand, did you do a lot of healing? Like, did you feel like you went as one person and came back as a still grieving person, but was there a different feeling to you, I suppose?
1: Yeah, I think I had more hope again for mm. just for me, more hope for like my future. Right. Um, that I could just be happier, not happy, well, happier than I'd been in bed, but th- that I could feel joy mm-hmm. again as well. And that I could just be uh, my own person in a way. And that's, the world is is beautiful and so many people are going through so many things i like i really started opening up much more then uh, to other people's you know stories mm-hmm. which you don't normally share but i feel like when you go through something very life changing you're just much more open about hearing and talking about these stories so i was much more open there not with everyone cuz it's like a feeling you get you know when you meet someone you're like Can we talk, like really talk or not? And I just felt like at that time I started just being much more open and Mm -hmm. it just made me feel less alone, even though I was actually physically alone there. I just felt not as lonely, I guess.
0: So did you build up a community or like a community of people who've gone through similar experiences? Are we talking in person or online?
1: I have since. Yeah, definitely. I have since I started sharing very openly on my personal Instagram mm-hmm. because it was like a way for me to um, to heal. Just I was writing a whole lot and then some things I felt like I could um, share or needed to share. So I shared a lot of that on my social media,
0: mm-hmm.
1: on my Instagram. And so people who were my friends or people who were not yet my friends, but then became my friends, could read it and see if they could relate or if they couldn't then you know they couldn't follow me I really didn't care (laughs) yeah so and then I did start building a bit of a community there um and that's kind of where the idea of of lovingly box came from as well afterwards where I I did feel like there's so many people who feel lonely but they should know that you know they're not alone like Mm. so many people are going through difficult things and we can support each other in a better way I guess yeah
0: And that's so such a beautiful lead in to kind of Lovingly Box and why it was started. And I got a Lovingly Box a few months after my mum passed as well. And it had some really gorgeous stuff in it and my friends had got it for me. And it was something that was really special. It's not something I'd heard of before. When you're in that initial midst of grief, it's such a different way of expressing care. For people in your life, was the whole idea brought from the experiences that you've gone through over the last couple of years?
1: Yeah, it, it definitely was. I think I'm going to have a good cry after this podcast, but <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. No, no, it's good. It's good. Yeah, it definitely was. It came from December, uh, uh, Christmas, uh, mm. Christmas Eve, I think, actually, of, of that year, t- 2017. And my grandma passed away like uh, early December. Um, so two months after Louis, and so Christmas was a bit quite different because mm. we always had Christmas at my grandma's place with the whole family. And, and then we had had like these two losses. So Christmas was not, mm. not very fun. And I just, I just remember like, you know, for Christmas specifically, there's this pressure where you feel like you have to be happy and like, mm. you know, you have to be grateful and, I did not feel grateful. Like that was the worst year of my life, and I I didn't feel any gratitude for that year. Mm-hmm. In my family, a lot of people were not okay because they had also lost their grandma. But still, like we were kind of like trying to go ahead with it, and I just like I was like it's it's okay if we're not okay. Like it's it's totally fine. Yeah, I remember that when Louis died, like I also got quite a few flowers which I didn't actually even see because I, like I said, I I didn't get out of bed. So I I actually didn't see most of the flowers. I do know like they come with cards. So I do know who gave them. But um, I just felt like, yeah, there should be a better way of supporting people and of reminding them that it's okay to sometimes not be okay. Be it at Christmas, be it, you know, right after a loss, when you're sick. Uh, Mm -hmm. There's so many situations in life when we're not okay. And I feel like hearing someone Tell you that it's okay if you're not feeling okay or it's okay if you want to cry or it's okay mm-hmm. if you're angry or uh, just reminding someone like I'm here for you, like no matter how you feel. I've, I just felt like that would be a really beautiful thing to have. And so I started thinking of, uh, yeah, a gifting company that would reinforce those statements mm-hmm. and give people going through a difficult time something even more tangible that shows them that they're cared for and loved and, and not alone. The first box was called It's OK That You're Not OK. So that was a yeah. um, starting point.
0: It, they're, they're really beautiful and they're so thoughtful and what you touched on there, it's for someone going through a difficult times, so it's not necessarily someone who's grieving like you can have. Ter- <laughs> There's so many terrible things can happen in life, but it's not just for someone who perhaps lost someone, but anybody who's going through a difficult period
1: of their lives. I started the company as a side project. I was still working for Google at the time. Mm -hmm. And during the beginning of the pandemic, it really like, it it took off. Like I had not expected it at all. Felt like maybe I could help some people and help me as well indirectly because it was like occupational therapy, you know, like where you're doing things. And yeah, during the pandemic, so many people felt alone. Like, Mm
0: -hmm. and still
1: today, like people sometimes just feel, like it's sometimes you can just use a little bit of extra love and, and kindness, even if you're not sick or grieving or, you know, sometimes it's very nice to hear that you're loved or mm-hmm. that you're not alone or that it is OK to stay in bed all day. Like it's it's yeah. nice to hear those things.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, I think if we touch on grief again, that the words to talk to someone about their grief are so difficult to grasp I definitely had friends over the years being like, what can I do? Because nobody knew what to say. Mm. And then to receive something like that and to receive it in the post on a on a random day and just to know that people are caring about you, they may not be able to express yeah. in words. or And I suppose no words can, can really help when you are in the midst of all that grief. But to know people are there and they're thinking about you and they're caring about you, like
1: that, that can lift someone up over that day, do you know? Oh, exactly, yeah. Yeah, the let me know if there's anything I can do. Oh my god, I yeah. you'll never you'll never let them know if there's anything. <laughs> like, I never ever would ever ask for anything, um, mm. especially when you're that low. Like you're, and also like I don't know what you can do. Grief is a very tricky situation. It is. Yeah. I,
0: I think I find as well when someone's talking to you, I think people are so afraid to ask about yeah. the person that you've lost, and like it's almost like you just want to talk about them because they were were such a huge impact on your life. Mm -hmm. And like, just because they're gone, don't, don't shut that part of my life out. Like ask about that person or tell me memories about that person that you had that maybe I'm not familiar with just to keep that part of you alive, because you'll never forget your person. Do you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I love it when, when people share memories about Louis still, because there's so many things that I obviously didn't, see like there he he had a whole life outside of our relationship as well Mm. so I love hearing things that I didn't or seeing pictures even though pictures can still be hard it's it's always Mm. beautiful to see pictures that you hadn't seen before like an angle maybe that you forgot about or something so yeah it's um memories are definitely the most beautiful thing to share even nicer than a lovingly box (laughs) much nicer
0: (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted to Obviously, since Louis has passed, you've had a lot of change in your life, including setting up Loving New Box and working on that full time now. And do you feel that there is like a before Julie and an
1: after Julie now? Oh, for sure. I remember when I went back to work at the end of 2017, because I took quite some time off Mm. and there was this meeting and they were talking about life changing events in 2017. And they were mention- mentioning all these people who got married and had babies. And there was no mention at all of what I'd been through. Mm-hmm. And it was not that big of a team. I felt really upset because I was like, there's nothing more life-changing than yeah. losing someone or, you know, I think also having a baby. Those like life and death, those are the, yeah. the two. There's nothing more life-changing. Like that's the definition of life-changing. Mm-hmm. So, or probably not the actual definition, but you know <laughs> what I mean. Yeah. Um But so, yeah, for sure. I am a, I'm a very different person. I, everything I do, I think, what would Louis think? What would he do? In the beginning as well, of my grief specifically, I was like, okay, I have to live for two now. I have to do everything Louis wanted to still do. So I have like a list of things, like these are the things that he wanted to do still in his lifetime. I'm going to do those things. And some, some are like a bit more longer term project, but some are very short, like I don't, go to New Zealand. So there you go off the list. But also it's very much focused on me more so than before. What brings me joy? I don't want to waste any time. I want to try to be happy now. I also want to have as much impact as I can. Life is very short. I think we need to make the most of it when we can. I'm also much more comfortable with, with my body the way I look, I think we forget sometimes how incredibly lucky we are to just have a body that does everything we want it Mm -hmm. to do. You know, we can move our arms, like we can see, we can speak, like it's so simple, but we're so lucky. Who cares about cellulite? Like it's it's like we have legs that can walk, Mm -hmm. that can take us to places. Like we're just very, very lucky to just have this body. And I'm very happy with how I am, who I am, because I know I'm lucky.
0: You're right. Like, as long as you're you're healthy and your body's healthy, then why are we nitpicking and life is so precious and it's so fragile. You don't know what's going to happen like you, like we only get one shot at this. So like, yeah, you need to you need to make the most of it and not be worrying about things that like cellulite, so that just doesn't matter. Oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> Do no, know? no, it, it's always going to be there. It is what it is. But Absolutely. Louis also said, he said, like, life is worth, worth living. And that was very painful to hear. But it's also mm-hmm. like, it, it is, it is. We're so lucky. And yeah. I think it's a lifelong journey. And that's why mm-hmm. it's the most life-changing thing, because it's, it's never going to go away. It's, it's always yeah. going to be there. It's, and it, it's just a part of life. And that's it okay. It makes us who we are. Like,
0: Absolutely. Julie, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on, telling me all about Louie and, and talking me through your grieving journey. I know it's not easy, but I think the things that you've just spoken about today are just so thoughtful and so insightful. And I'm just, I just want to say a huge thank you. Well,
1: thank you so much for having me. Thank
0: you so much to Julie for coming on and sharing her story and and sharing Louise's story as well. It's not easy. It's actually, it's incredibly difficult. So thank you. Thank you, Julie. The one thing that really struck a nerve with me when I was talking to Julie was how she spoke about hope. And it really got me thinking about how grief and hope go hand in hand. If you don't have hope, grief will swallow you whole. You need to have hope for the future. If you want to check out Julie's business, you can head over to lovinglybox.com and you can also follow them on Instagram at lovingly underscore box, where you can see their absolutely gorgeous range of care boxes for all different types of difficult days. So yeah, I would highly recommend heading over to her site and checking it out. If you enjoyed listening today, I would ask that you consider liking and subscribing on whatever platform you're listening to. Also, if you know someone in your life who might benefit from hearing these stories, I'd ask that you share these episodes with them as well. And then finally, you can follow us on Instagram to keep up to date with new releases and new interviews and new guests. And that is at Life's Too Short Podcast. And if I could leave you with just one thing today, it'd be that life is so bloody unpredictable. We do not know what's coming for us around the corner. Not to live in fear, obviously, but to be grateful for every day that we have here, because life is too short.
1: Thank you so much for listening today and I'll see you next week.